Hello, my beautiful sisters. It's another episode of When Marriage Hurt Podcast, and this is episode seven, the third and final part in the series um, that we've been on for a few weeks now. That's titled, Is a Husband Superior to His Wife? So this is the concluding part, and I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy this episode as well. Um, So in this final part in the series, we will be looking at um, an aspect of Genesis 3, and we will try to find out if it's really true that God commanded the man to rule over the woman because this is a portion of scripture that's usually misinterpreted wrongly translated even um, in a lot of modern English versions so we are going to be looking at that did God say in the garden of Eden that Eve you've been very bad and for this reason I'm going to ask Adam to rule over you. Is that what really went down? Okay, so we'll be taking a look at that in this episode. Get ready to learn something new, possibly, and just have fun, really, in discovering God's mind towards us as women and wives. Um, So stay tuned, go nowhere, get comfortable, and we will be digging into this episode. Hey sis, welcome to the When Marriage Hurts podcast. I'm your host, Ola Davis. My mission is to help Christian women in painful marriages become aware of the marriage lies our society and religion has programmed our heads with. Are you tired of marriage advice that always blames you for whatever goes wrong in your marriage? Have you attended all the marriage seminars seeking help only to be blamed and shamed for your marriage problems? Has your marriage become the source of your greatest pain? Have you lost hope of being happily married? Are you just hanging in for the sake of your kids? I've been there before. I know what it is like to feel alone in marriage, yet feel trapped by the wedding vows that I made. Together, we will discover scriptural truths that set us free from the pain so that healing can begin. Oh yeah, let's shake some tables. Um, yes, so like I said, this is going to be the concluding part of the series, Is a Husband Superior to His Wife? On the two previous episodes, uh, we had discovered some interesting t- truths from the book of Genesis 1, and I think we might have touched a little bit on Genesis 2 as well, and we saw that the man and the woman um, were created as equal partners in the Garden of Eden. And we also saw that um, they were both given the mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. Actually, I'm not sure if we really touched on that on the previous two episodes or the two previous episodes. Um, but anyway, we're going to we're gonna take a look at that today. That might actually be a very good place to start. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, I'll just start there today. As usual, I will put um, the Bible passages in the show notes. I'm not going to be throwing around a lot of Hebrew words today, but I think I might have just one, uh, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, I will put that in the show notes as well. I like to do that so at least people know how it's spelled because I can assure you that those Hebrew words, I'm probably not saying them right. Anyways, so uh, we will dig right in into Genesis 1 and start off at verse 27. So at first I will read verse 27 and 28. And I'm reading from the King James Version. Uh, Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we kind of established, I think, in episode five. If you haven't listened to that one, it's a good place to start. I would highly recommend you listen to episodes five and six before you listen to this particular episode. Um, Because we really laid a lot of uh, foundation for this episode in those two previous episodes. Yeah. So verse 28. Verse 28 says, then God blessed them. God blessed them and God said to them, them is referring to the man and the woman, Adam and Eve. I think it's really important to pause right there and emphasize that point that God was speaking to both the man and the woman. So he blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So this might seem like unnecessary, but I still really want to emphasize that God was speaking to both the man and the woman in this verse. Um, There wasn't any mention of, oh, Mr. Man, (laughs) your job is to be fruitful and multiply and do all these things. And Madam Woman, you are just going to be his servant. Hmm? You're going to be his personal assistant. Whatever he needs, you just have to give it to him to make sure he gets this stuff done. No, that's not the, that's not the kind of conversation or if I may call it a speech or if I may call it a mandate that that's, that's not how God put it to them. Let me just leave it at that. That's not how God put it to them. He was talking to the man, talking to the woman, talking to them as in their capacity as co-laborers. Let me just put it that way. (laughs) In their capacity as co-laborers. So the man and the woman, they are co-laborers. They are partners, right? It's not a master-slave relationship. It's not a master-servant relationship. They are partners. And God is saying to them, be fruitful, be multiply, and the rest of it. And it says, have dominion over the fish, the birds, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In, at, at no point did God say, have dominion over the woman, or you woman have dominion over the man. No, that was, that was not God's mandate to them. All right. So they were told to have dominion over the fish, the birds, and everything creeping upon the earth, but not o- over each other. They were to walk as partners. Now, in chapter 3, something terrible happens. We're not going to dig deep, I should say, into that in this episode because that's not the topic of today's episode. But we're just going to be looking at Genesis 3.16 and see what truths that we can find there regarding the relationship between the man and woman and see what's happened from being equal partners in Genesis 1 and the tragedy that happened in Genesis 3 
where the enemy stepped in. The first humans basically rebelled against God. Okay. All right. We'll move right through to Genesis 3.16. I will read first in the New King James Version. And then we'll start looking at some interesting Hebrew words. Or maybe just one. Like I I, I think I promised I wasn't going to do a whole lot. Today, I'll just do maybe one or two Hebrew words. Okay, so Genesis 3.16. So I think most people that are Christians kind of know the story, how the man and woman fell. I just don't, I don't want to go into that today. It's going to take, um, I don't want to take so much of our time. But just in case anyone's listening to this and they're not familiar with the, the story in Genesis 3, God puts the man and the woman in the Garden of Eden and um, instruct them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The enemy came, the serpent came along and um, basically deceived the woman into eating this fruit that God had instructed them not to eat. And um, as soon as they ate it, just like God said, things changed. They started, you know, they, they became mortal beings at that point, basically, and um anyway that they kind of experienced the consequences of their sin um so when god comes around and starts asking questions and um asked the man asked the woman what had happened and the, she was like well the serpent deceived me the man was like well the woman gave me the fruit to eat <laughs> um so in in verse 16 God says to the woman, to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Okay, I know I read that really fast, um, but I just wanted to read it fast and then we'll start slicing the verse, so to say. Yeah, so it says, this, this is one verse that you could look through. 20 different versions of the English Bible and come up with 10 or 15 different interpre- interpretations or translations, I should say. And it's kind of interesting because it did get me a little bit confused when I was studying this. I have to be honest with you. But the New King James does do a pretty decent job in translating this verse. But there are a lot of modern versions that that would say the god said to the woman i will i will multiply your pain in childbirth like the whole verse just gets kind of contorted and twisted but what it says here is i will greatly multiply one your sorrow and two your conception so i can see how translators might kind of mix this and boil it and bake it together and come up with i will greatly increase your pain in childbearing like they just had the whole thing modeled up so we're just going to keep it simple all right because i you know the the at least for this verse i'm not talking in general about the whole bible but for this verse the new king james comes pretty close to the hebrew and you know while i'm at that let me just read to you word for word as usual what it says in the hebrew for that verse genesis three sixteen in the hebrew it says, unto the woman, he said, 
I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children and unto your husband, your desire, and he shall rule over you. Okay, we'll come back to that later. I just wanted to quickly read that. Do a first reading, if you wish, of that for you to see that it, it the the new king the new king james at least for that verse the new king james aligns pretty closely with the hebrew so i just needed to stress that fact so if you're reading this chapter if you're reading that particular verse i don't know what version of the bible you read in um just bear in mind that what it really says i i will multiply i will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception enough said about that when god talks about um, multiply your sorrow it might seem kind of vague in that verse and i think maybe the reason translators tend to translate that in and just model everything up into childbirth is because it just says i will multiply your sorrow and your conception Um, but if we go on to the next verse in verse 17 when God addresses the man, he talks more about that sorrow that he had mentioned briefly to the woman. In verse 17, he tells the man that causes the ground for your sake, and I'm paraphrasing here, cause is the ground for your sake, and in sorrowful toil, you will eat of it. So even though God just briefly mentions sorrow when he's speaking to the woman, he talks more um specifically about that sorrow when he's addressing the man the sorrow in (laughs) of course i have to throw out this hebrew word the word sorrow in genesis 3 16 and 17 is called it's a bond so it's sorrow toil or sorrowful toil right it's it's a bond so it's kind of the same word anyway that's that's what it is it's a bond so in verse 16, where it says your desire. So this is really the meat of today's episode, right? Everything I've been saying up to this moment was just kind of by the way. <laughs> so we're getting to the real meat of this episode. Okay. Yes. So everything else I've said before is just bonus. Now, in the later part of verse 16, where it says your desire shall be for your husband mm-hmm. and he shall rule over you. That is one portion of scripture that people have used to their own advantage to push their own agenda. My sisters, to push their own agenda. So much confusion over this verse. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick story. Can I tell you a quick story? I will I will make it really short. Um, I remember there was a time I was having issues in my marriage. Really, there wasn't a time I wasn't having issues in my marriage. But um, let me just say I remember a time I was having issues in my marriage. It makes it sound like a more interesting story. Um, and I had approached a lady um, for counsel, right? And then she i can't even remember exactly what the issue was with my husband between my husband and i at that time but what i remember is this lady i think she really didn't have answers for me or 
maybe she didn't want to put herself in a position where she would be like oh your husband is in the wrong honestly i don't know what the deal was with her but she was definitely confused about something and at a point she just blurted out well the bible already says that your desire will be towards your husband and he's going to rule over you i'm like what and like yeah yeah isn't that what the bible says so that's what god already says i'm thinking okay but what does that have to do with what i was discussing with you i was just you know i was just in this state of confusion like how can you just drop a scripture and just boom just try to get out of a conversation like what does that even mean and i told them i'm like well wasn't that supposed to be a consequence of sin aren't we redeemed believers and she's like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. That's what the Bible says. And boom. I mean, she didn't say boom, but she was like out of there. <laughs> and this was years ago, but I still sometimes remember that. And to me, it's a picture of how a lot of times in church, we are just brainwashed and people just throw scriptures in front of you as a way to shut you up. If they don't know how to handle the situation. I mean, why not just say, you know, this thing that you brought before me, honestly, it's at this moment, I don't have the wisdom for it, but God has all the answers. I can, uh, you know, let me agree with you in prayer and maybe you should seek godly counsel, whatever, just in humility, let someone know that you don't have the answers because you don't, you don't always have to have all the answers. Sometimes people have some pretty complicated stuff going on in their marriage. How about you just be a, a support for someone and say, you know, I don't really have the answers for you, but if you need someone to just talk to or someone to just agree with you in prayer, right? And just be like, well, the Bible says your desire should be towards your husband and it shall rule over you. Mm, mm, eh? That's what God said. Like, what is that? <laughs> Anyways, that's the end of my story. It, for me, it was kind of bizarre. And I'm like, do people just go ahead, go around, I mean, go around thinking, well, the man is supposed to rule over me, the man is supposed to rule over me. This is thinking that's so pervasive in the church. And it's think it's thinking, thinking. Yeah. Let me be honest with you. It is not scriptural. And someone's thinking, Ola, what are you talking about? You just read that from the Bible. Yeah, it is in the Bible, but it is not a rule to live by. It is not a command. My sisters, God was not saying, okay, you guys have eaten, the, you've eaten the forbidden fruit. So I'm establishing a new order. The man is supposed to rule over his wife. No, that's not how it went down. I wasn't there at the Garden of Eden, but we have the record in the Bible. <laughs> That's not how it went down. What went down was they sinned and God was letting each of them know, because of what you have done, this is going to be the consequences. Because of what you have done, this is going to be the consequences. It's like if a child, if your child, if you say, oh, I put hot water over there, don't go there. And then your child is like, mm, whatever. And your child goes there and pulls the bowl of hot water and it pours on their skin. It's just the consequence of that disobedience. 
It's not you as a parent saying, oh, I'm going to make sure that water burns your skin because you didn't listen to me. I'm going to burn you with some hot water. No, it's a natural consequence of that child's action. God tells her, your desire shall be for your husband. If we look at this in the Hebrew, mm-hmm, promise I'm not going to throw out any Hebrew word now. Or maybe I should, I don't know. <laughs> but I definitely do want to read it in the Hebrew. I'm not reading the whole verse now because I did that earlier. I'm just reading this portion that talks about the woman's desire. It says, and unto your husband, your desire, and he shall rule over you. So it kind of sounds a little funny in the English. Unto your husband, your desire. So in order to make it make sense, in the English, they would insert the phrase shall be. So unto your, uh, you, you might read your desire shall be to your husband or something to that nature. Some modern versions also had this particular portion. I mean, this verse has been abused in every sense. It's been distorted. It's been polluted, whatever you want to call it. There's modern versions out there that would say, and I love modern versions of the Bible, but sometimes they just, there's so much truth that can be lost in translation. There's, there could be misinterpretation. Um, and that's happened a lot with this verse. Anyway, so some, I did see some versions that say you will desire to control your husband. Like, okay, all right, take a step back. Where did that even come from? Mm. Nothing about control when I read out the Hebrew, right? It only talks about the woman having the des- the desire for her husband. It says nothing about controlling her. That's just that's just something that someone pulled out of nowhere. And if you look at the world today, isn't it true? Don't they have a desire towards their husband, like this longing? The word desire there could also uh, also means longing. There's a longing towards one one's husband. Even an abuse, even a woman who's been abused in marriage still has a longing towards her husband, right? So it says that your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. So like I've been trying to explain, this is not God establishing an order. This isn't God giving another mandate. This is not God giving a commandment. God isn't trying to establish some kind of system here. God is simply letting these people know that because of what you have done, this is what's going to happen. Your desire is going to be for your husband, but he is going to rule over you. That's not how God made it in the beginning. That was not God's original intention, but that's what's what's going to happen because of sin, because of that rebellion towards God. So I'm going to repeat this again in case someone was, you know, in case someone took a bathroom break. Genesis 3.16 Where God says your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. God was simply stating the consequences of their sin. He was simply letting them know that since you've introduced sin, this is what's going to happen. This is how your life is going to be from henceforth. He wasn't trying to establish an order. He wasn't dishing out a commandment. He was simply saying, this is what your life is going to look like. 
now that you guys have sinned. Now, there are people that will contend with the fact that this was not a command where they would try to they would try to tell us that no God was actually saying this is how it's going to be well yes God was truly saying this is how it's going to be but it wasn't like he was um he wasn't laying that down as a rule this was just purely the consequences of sin if if a person wants to argue that this was essentially a commandment that God was laying down or that God was establishing some kind of authority over the woman, then I think God would have been addressing the man, right? Not the woman. That would make more sense, right? If you're trying to say, oh, if you're trying to say, oh, I'm appointing you as someone who's going to dominate this person, you would be speaking directly to the person who's going to be doing the dominating. You wouldn't be talking to the one who's to be dominated, when you're given a commandment it's just how the enemy operates i mean this is what he does best deception right he tries to deceive people he tries to corrupt whatever god's put in place and some people like to some people like to engage the enemy in that deception because it serves their own purposes i'll just leave it at that this was the consequence of sin God made man and woman as equal partners, wife and husbands as equal partners. I cannot say enough of that. God made wife and husband as equal partners. Sin came into the world and there's just this disorder where the woman, you know, she's just going to have this overwhelming longing and desire towards her husband and he's going to rule over her. All right, so I hope you had fun, not just on this episode, but the entire series. If you haven't listened to, if you haven't listened to episode five and six, like I said, I highly, highly encourage you to do that um, before listening to this in its entirety. Or you could go ahead and just listen to this one and then listen to five and six and listen to seven again. <laughs> there's no harm in listening over and over that's what we have to do sometimes to really get the truth you know to get the lies that that's been embedded into our minds and to replace that with the truth and i would um, encourage everybody to go into the scriptures through prayerfully um, not reading through the lenses of what you've been taught over the years. Just go into the scriptures, study for yourself. You're going to find some English by, uh, Bible versions there that are going to have some wacky translations. Just pray that the Holy Spirit leads you. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into all truths. But sometimes we have to search out those truths for ourselves for the Holy Spirit to do its work. All right, so this is where we're going to call it a day on today's episode. I really appreciate you being here. I really appreciate you listening. It makes, um, it really makes my heart joyful to know that you're on the other end and we're having this time together. Thank you for letting me into your lives. I do not take you for granted. So until next week when we'll meet on another episode of When Marriage Hurts.
be careful for nothing and remember that Jesus said he will never leave you nor forsake you. Have a good day. Has this podcast blessed you? If yes, please head over to Apple Podcasts When Marriage Hurts and leave a written review for the show. It would be such a blessing to me to know that this show has impacted you in some ways. Also, share this podcast with a friend. Let's spread the word. Lastly, if you would like to be a part of a community of like-minded women of faith who are on a journey to living the best life God has for them despite their marriage challenges, join our Facebook group, When Marriage Hurts. Until next time, remember the words of Jesus. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.